Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 69 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I am your host, Adam, the real 27 guy on Instagram and in all other social media places. Welcome back, guys. It has been a long time. I think it's been about nine months since our last episode. And um, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I haven't done a good job of this. For those of you who have been faithful listeners uh, through the years, those of you who have still got us favorited um, on uh, Apple Music and the other places that you can download us, I want to apologize. I really do. I didn't intend on it going that long, but um, when I was, uh, spoiler alert, when I was uh, a full-time employee at, um, at PWCC, it didn't really make sense for me to also have my own podcast. I did, however, continue to spend the $16 a month that it costs to host the podcast. And so here I am. It's still, uh, all old episodes are obviously still still available. Um, and I am I have more plans than ever of, of continuing on with the podcast. In fact, I would go as far to say that uh, the plan now is to move forward on a weekly basis for um, for the Basketball Card Podcast. So again, uh, welcome to episode number 69 of the Basketball Card Podcast. Uh, so many things to talk about, but let's let's first sort of just hit a few quick intro things. Uh, the sponsor or the, the the podcast is sponsored by Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine. Uh, making basketball or making magazines great again. Get your monthly mail day now by going to bcfmag.com. Again, that's bcfmag.com, where I am the editor-in-chief. We have now been running for, believe it or not, close to three years. Um, so grateful for all of our good sponsors. Um, I would name them all, but I would forget them <laughs> right here, right now. Uh, grateful for all of our many subscribers, and we're over 100 contributors at this point, and it has been absolutely a fantastic last three years as we've tried to make the magazine into everything that we possibly can. So um, we're gonna we're gonna say that BCF is our sponsor today because uh, BCF is our sponsor today. And so um, let's let's jump into this though. Um, you know, there's there's so many things that are going on right now in the hobby, right? And so for you to just even listen to a little bit of this podcast, I'm super grateful for that. Um, please obviously like, uh, share, engage, uh, message me at the real 27 guy, message, uh, the magazine at basketball card fanatic, both on Instagram. Um, and yeah, really appreciate you guys for listening today. So, um, if you've listened to past episodes or if you followed anything of me on social, you know that uh, I made a huge career change about a year ago when I took the jump from private equity and being a CPA to work full-time for PWCC. Uh, That was an extremely difficult decision, mostly because it's hard leaving the comfort of uh, things that you've done for a long time to do things that you really feel like you should do um, or that you really want to do. And it was an awesome year, um, but really in a disappointing way, found out a few weeks ago that my full-time employee, uh, my full-time job was was ending uh, along with you know, 40-something other people at the company. And it was really a hard time. It was a really hard, hard experience to, to hear that. But the thing that was different for me is it, is it is for, I think, as it was for a lot of the people who were being let go is I actually was still being asked if I would continue to do some of my, my work on a contract basis. So um, where for other people, I think there's other people who are, who are really upset. For me, it actually may be a massive blessing in disguise. 
because instead of just working for PWCC now, now I get to look at the landscape of all the other hobby, um, all the other hobby companies, and figure out if there's a need for what I can do for for them, and figure out if there's a match. And so um, I'm grateful that I continue that I'll get to continue to do some work for PWCC, but I'm also looking for other opportunities to do do other content creation, and um, have have thus far met with a lot of enthusiasm for it. And so got a couple of, uh, a couple of companies already lined up and maybe some others on the, on the horizon. So as you watch the content going forward, um, you'll notice the PWCC stuff still, still going to happen, but you're going to notice some other stuff too, which I think that you guys will like. Um, but with all of that said, it's definitely a new time for me. And there's, you know, there's, there's a lot that's sort of, there's a lot that's going on. I thought it'd be really cool to sort of memorialize some of the things that I've gotten to do there and sort of let you guys see a little bit behind the curtain, um, at PWCC now that I'm no longer there. Um, and so I'll take just a few minutes to do that before jumping into the other things, but I've got about 10 topics I want to hit and I have a goal to do it in under 25 minutes. So let's see if we can do it. Okay. So first off, my favorite thing about PWCC is without question, not to sound all um, cheesy, but without question, it's the people. Um, I worked with some amazing people, the people who work in content and marketing um, that I got to know really well. Uh, I have nothing but really positive things to say about those people. And uh, I look forward to to, continuing to work with a lot of them. Um, Besides the people, the other thing that I just loved to do was the premiere videos that I got to do every month. Um, the premiere videos were where I would fly to Oregon every month and sit down. Basically, this is what the process looked like. I would message um, one of my friends who worked at the vault, and there were several who I worked with while I was there. Um, there was Tyler. There was mostly, mostly Jared um, and a few other guys, too. Um, I probably shouldn't mention any names because I'm going <laughs> to leave some people out, but... Um, I would I would basically message them and let them know when I was coming into town, and uh, when I got into town, I would come into the building, um, which you guys know is behind a ton of security. Um, I think I mentioned this on the last on the last uh, podcast from six months ago. So there, I would I would get into the building and I would go to Jared or whoever was um, getting me the stuff from the vault that day. And he would bring me a box. And it would be like a one-row box filled with slabs. And I'd get this thing. I'd put it in front of me. And it was like, it was sort of like opening like the world's coolest pack of cards, right? Because I didn't know what was going to be in every box. I put it in front of me. And I'd sort of tilt the cards all sort of one direction. I'd pull the first one out. And it would be like a, you know, a Michael Jordan 86 Fleer PSA 10. And the next one would be like, a Jason Tatum flawless RPA number to 10. And the next one would be like a Mickey Mantle 19, you know, 60 tops PSA nine or something like that. It just, it was card after card after card. All of the cards that went into the premier auction, um, I made a video for. Now, if you've, if you've just watched Instagram and you've seen some of my content on there, that's not what I'm talking about. Every one of the PWCC premier items has a video with the description that comes along with it. And, I got to do about 90% of those for the last year. Guys, it was so cool. I got to see some of the coolest cards in the world. 
Um, I was the, the voice of the, the video that was used for selling the Luka Doncic uh, NTRPA um, and a couple other million dollar cards over the last year. Um, I loved it. It was so much fun. I'd take that box and I'd walk to the studio and I'd put it down. Like I said, I'd tilt the cards <laughs> to the side and I would just pull out card after card. It was just incredible. And to think that I got paid for that for a year is amazing. And again, that was just one part of my job. You, know, you take that and then all the content that we were able to create, create from the iconic 100 um, to the talking head videos and the voiceovers and all of those things. Um, that was amazing. And then I also got to manage the influencers at PWCC. So all of those relationships with the content creators that you guys see, I got to manage all those. And those are some of the best people in the hobby too. So though that was the majority of what I did. Um, there were some, there were some other things too, but guys, I loved it. And I had such a cool experience. And the thing that I'll say to you is the same thing that I said on the last episode that I did like, you know, nine months ago, which is if you get a chance to follow your dream and do something that you actually feel like is meaningful in your life, man, that is such a great opportunity. It just is. Um, I have no regrets for, try, for, for, for doing that, for going out and making that happen. Um, in a lot of ways, it was probably the worst financial decision that I ever made. Um, but that's, that's a t TBD. We'll, we'll see about that. We'll see in the end if that if that's true. I gave up a lot leaving the world of private equity. Um, but in the end, it still may end up being the best. I don't want to make that sound too negative because maybe that won't be true. But um, it was a wonderful year. And now on to bigger and better things. Okay, so I want to tell you guys a few more, a few more things that are sort of on my mind. I, I kind of thought about giving like a, a summary at the beginning, like an agenda. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm just going to take you through a few, few things. Okay, so... First thing that I want to talk about is another, or next thing I want to talk about is a story that, that happened to me, something that happened to me recently that was just crazy. And so I just want to tell you guys. So I received a box of the Panini Monopoly product. And man, that's such a fun product, right? You've got all of these different parallels and a game that's associated with it. It's more mainstream. It's interesting. There's a lot of people who are into it who normally aren't, and people are really excited about it. So I got this box in the mail, and I was really excited to open it. And I didn't really know a lot about it, but I opened it up, and there's one. There was one slab card. I don't know what the box is called that I got. It had like a game in it. It had the pack. It had a box with packs. It had several other things, and it had this one black box that, when I opened, had one card that was um, uncirculated with the Panini. Um, sticker on it. And I pulled it out and it was a Mr. Monopoly card. And I looked at it and I actually thought this, I thought, man, that's cool that they put a Mr. Monopoly card in every one of these boxes. And I put it on my shelf behind me in my office. In fact, if you go back and you watch any of my videos for the last couple of weeks, you'll probably see it there. I just put it there. I didn't even think about it. I just figured that that was what came in every box. I don't know why I thought that, but it had like a, you know, the gold vinyl pat pattern sort of looks like like records um it was blue and it it was the color blast but it had that and and i looked at the back i saw that it wasn't numbered and i was like ah, it's probably not a big deal they probably made thousands of these and i just didn't even think about it well about a week ago i got on my um i got on my just online and i was checking checking some things out and i was like i better double make sure that that's not worth anything 
And I looked it up and I was like, holy crap, the last one of these sold for $2,000. I didn't think that was a thing. I didn't, I didn't, I had no, like in my wildest dreams did I ever think that Mr. Monopoly was going to be worth two grand, but that's what it said it was worth. So anyway, I, I didn't, <laughs> I was pretty shocked about that. Um, but, uh, but the biggest part of that story that I just wanted to highlight is, you know, you never know what might be worth something and you want to always double make sure that when you have something that you, you think is probably worthless, like make sure that it's not something that's really rare. And if you're into the monopoly thing right now, um, you know, that, that card, go, go check out what those Mr. Monopoly cards are selling for. Cause they're kind of a big deal. Don't make the same, make, same mistake that I did. So there's my awesome pull of the week. Since I don't ever open cards, um, you know, that's a rare thing, but, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed that story. Okay. Next, next topic. Okay. Rapid fire today. We've got 12 more minutes. Next topic, financial crisis within the hobby. We know that the world is going through a tumultuous time right now. And, um, regardless of what sector in the community you're in, you're probably feeling that. Um, I know that we are in my family, obviously, after I no longer have a full-time job. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are really feeling that. And and how has that manifested itself in cards? Well, one of the things I think is really interesting is we've seen a lot of cards hitting the auction, um, hitting the, the big auctions recently that don't often go up for sale. And I wanted to sort of talk about why this happens. I read sometimes things online about how rich people behave. People say, oh, that's not what a rich person would do, or that's not what somebody in their financial situation would do. But I want to explain why this happens. So every person, every really wealthy person, most of them have sort of an allotment of how they think about their investments. Let's take somebody who has a $100 million um, net worth to invest. They probably look at this 100, this $100 million and they put it into various buckets. There's like a bucket for um, you know, public securities, bu- a bucket for bonds, a, pu- a bucket for private investment, you know, private equity, things like that. There's probably a bucket for real estate. There's, there's all of these different buckets and assignments for different ways to invest their money. And, and those things are what they are. Well, over the course of the last couple of years, those things have all taken a hit for basically everybody, even these guys that have hundreds of millions of dollars, right? They've taken massive, massive hits. A lot of those people, well, the people who are in our, in our hobby who, who spend a ton of money, they have a, a bucket that's for cards or a bucket that's for collectibles. And so now that you're seeing a lot of those big cards sell or where we've seen a lot of those big cards sell over the course of the last year, I think there are people who are who are assuming, oh, those people must be get out of, bidding, be getting out of collecting, or those are people who, you know, who who weren't really wealthy to begin with. The thing that I want people to understand is that even guys that have hundreds of millions of dollars at their disposal, at their disposal, when they have you know, margin calls because they've because they've you know borrowed on their on you know to invest on their stocks or other types of investments, sometimes these people have to sell cards too. And so, you know, I think 
what you're seeing right now is people who are selling cards, some of which um, need to sell to be able to balance out their other parts of their portfolio, some of which probably borrowed on their cards, right? They took loans out on their cards. There's all sorts of reasons why this is happening, but I do think it's actually pretty normal. Even, and this is the point that I wanted to make, even for wealthy people. I keep reading online, people are like, oh yeah, wealthy people don't need to do that. Guys, the wealthy people need to do that too because wealthy people have invested in cards and in other securities and things and in some cases they need to move money around. And so for me, it's not actually shocking to see that. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is good news. I'm not saying this is bad news. I'm just saying that's something that I'm seeing right now in the hobby. And so it's worth noting it here, I think. So anyway, take that for what it's worth. I'll probably hit more on that in the future because you you guys usually have liked it when I've talked about the financial things. Um, I'll try to do that in the future. Eight minutes. Okay. Let's talk about the Victor Victor Wembenyama to the Spurs thing. Man, like, I I will say two things. Let me grab a drink real quick here. Two things. Number one, I don't know that there's a better franchise for him to go to. Uh, consistency, dependability, good ownership, good management. They've been fantastic for 30 30 years, right? As long as I've been alive longer than 30 years, 35 years. They've just gotten decision after decision right. They do things the right way. So I think it's great, great for him in that way. I think it feels, (laughs) I posted this on my Instagram, it feels like it should be, illegal that one franchise should get three of the top six um, prospects of my lifetime all on that one team. And so, you know, when Dave Robinson came out in 1987, I think, or 1988, um, 1987, I think, is when he was drafted, maybe even 86, and then he came into the league in 89. When he came into the league, he was as big of a prospect as really we've ever seen before. Um in the 80s, you also had Ewing in 85 and Elijah Wan in 84. And so there were other big prospects that came in you know, around that time, most of them big centers. But Robinson was right up there. There was a time in the late 80s and early 90s when the name David Robinson was only comparable. The only name that was comparable to David Robinson was Michael Jordan. People will scoff at that, but it's true. David Robinson was the it guy. Card number 138 in hoops was the biggest card of the era for a long time. And not just in the hobby, but in like, but in all circles, right? He was on so many commercials. He was so popular. He had this perfect presence about him, this perfect gentleman presence, and and was a dominant player, right? He led the league in scoring several times. He had that season where he scored seventy-one points in the last game of the season, so he could so he could um, you know win the scoring title. He won an MVP award. Went on to win a couple championships. David Robinson was was one of the six, in my opinion, one of the six, and I think I could even defend five uh, greatest prospects of our lives, my life, at least. Um, and Tim Duncan was even greater than him, right? Coming out of Wake Forest, Tim Duncan was was thought of immediately as one of the best players in the NBA, and he was. I remember the Jazz played the, the Spurs, um, Duncan's rookie year in the playoffs, watching Carl Malone and thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not sure Carl's good enough to beat Duncan. And remember, Carl Malone's one of the greatest, you can think whatever you want about him, he's one of the best players of all time, certainly one of the best power forwards of all time, and he's going against this rookie in Tim Duncan who gave him everything he had. The Jazz pulled it out, but 
I knew right then, like, this guy is going to be a massive problem. And he was for the next 20 years, right? Now Wimbenyama, and I'm not going to claim to be any, any expert, but I hear people talking about how he's going to be a bust or he's going to get hurt, whatever. He might get hurt. We never really know these things. But he seems to glide to me, right? He seems more like Durant than he does like Odin. He's, he's somebody who moves well in his, in his skin. And when you watch him on the court, it's terrifying because he makes Rudy Gobert look like, like a little person, right? He's like three to four inches taller than Gobert. And Gobert is this physically, physically dominant player. Like, he's huge, right? He's so tall. Um, Victor Wembanyama is going to make Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic look short. Now, granted, he weighs a lot less than those guys. But um, the Spurs and their ability to develop guys... Um, you know, combine that with, with who he is, the physical tools that he has, but not only the physical tools, like the basketball tools that he has. And, you know, this might be the next era, right? It might not be. We, we thought it might be that with Andrew Wiggins and we were wrong, right? But, but Wembenyama's different. Um, if he stays healthy, he's a can't miss prospect. It's true. And people saying, oh, he'll be the next Porzingis. I'm telling you guys, Porzingis would have been incredible too. Had he been able to stay healthy? That's why he wasn't. So um, excited for you, Spurs fans. I'm sad as can be for, for the Jazz. I just I, I did some research on this. The Jazz have had two top ten picks total in the last forty years that they that they earned themselves by being bad. One was the year that they drafted Darren Williams. They actually traded up to get that number three pick with the number six pick, and then um, the other one was when they drafted Dante Exum at number five. Those are the only top 10 picks that, that, that they've ever had. So the Spurs have had more number one picks since I was born than the Jazz have had number number 10 or top 10 picks. And so it's frustrating from that perspective. You know, you'd like to see some, some of the love get shared with some of these elite level players, but it is what it is. That's why they have a lottery. Okay, last couple things. Um, actually, we're just going to do the last thing because I'm going to hit 25 minutes otherwise, and I still might anyways. So where we stand today is the Miami Heat have won one game against the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the LA Lakers, or sorry, the um, Denver Nuggets have won one game against the LA Lakers in the Conference Finals on that side. It's the exact same matchups as we saw in the bubble back three years ago. <laughs> it's kind of amazing that you would get the exact same four teams. Um, going against each other and it's all sorts of exciting because you know these four teams no one would have predicted that these are the, going to be the four teams that were going to make the, the conference finals right the, the Nuggets and the Lakers were one shot away in the playing game from playing each other in the first round right the Lakers were that close to losing to the to the Timberwolves um, took some crazy plays at the end of the game for them to win otherwise the Timberwolves would have played um, the seven, the two seed Grizzlies, um, uh, and the Lakers would have played the one seed Nuggets. Instead, now we have a seven team that has in the Lakers that's made it to the conference finals against the Nuggets. And I have to say, both teams look really good. Um, you don't want to hear my basketball analysis. I'll talk basketball all day long, but you've got other podcasts for that. The thing that I want to point out here from a card perspective is what each team has at stake and what that means for the cardboard. And I think it's really interesting. So the Lakers 
are really shocking the world right now, I think. And it's interesting to, to me, at least I feel like they're shocking the world. Maybe you don't, but they're a seven seed. They're a seven seed that just a couple of months ago we were talking about was going to have to give up potentially the number one overall pick to the New Orleans Pelicans because they don't have their pick this year. Remember that? Remember just a couple minutes, a couple months ago we were talking about that? Now we're talking about them potentially winning the championship and, this is where it gets important for cards, um, and getting LeBron James his fifth championship. Now you can love LeBron James or you can hate LeBron James, but the fact remains the dude is in his 20th year and he's still balling. He's still amazing, okay? He's on a team that is working the right way together and they have a chance to win the championship. He already has the all-time scoring title, right? He already has the most, you know, playoff games ever. He already has the most playoff scoring ever. He already has all of the big accounting stats, totals ever. Um, and now, here we are, with him as a seven seed, along with Anthony Davis and effectively a bunch of role players. I get it? They're playing really well, right? Especially like Reeves and Rui and... They've got some guys who are playing really well. But those guys have a chance to go win a championship. And when you think about how that can influence LeBron James, I find it extremely interesting. Now, fast 25 minutes, but here we are. I had, I had to get to this Laker stuff. So, and I'm going to take some time on it, whether that's good or not. LeBron, ironically, has never been cheaper, or at least hasn't been cheaper in a long time. And so it's super interesting to me because we've been listening to people talk about we need to wait for him to hit, you know, wait until he hits 40,000 points or wait until he takes the all-time scoring lead. It's going to blow up. Well, now here we are. He might win another championship and he's cheaper than he was a year ago and he's cheaper than he was six months ago and he's cheaper than he was a year and a half ago. It's really, it's really interesting. And although I may not be... I want to say this the right way. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. I've never been a hater. I appreciate the heck out of LeBron. He's the most talented player ever. And he's like, literally, he's the most talented basketball player of all time. And he has had one of the greatest careers of all time. But in his 20th year, he's doing something that is unprecedented, right? He is, he is still an elite player that has a chance to go lead his team to a championship. Now, somebody will take the words that I just said and they'll say, hey, LeBron isn't the best player on his team anymore. Okay, that might be true. But he's one of them, and he's still putting up big stats. And so when I think about this from a card perspective, guys, I'm always a buy low, sell high guy, right? Like, I try to be at least. Except for I don't sell when they go high anymore. I just hang on to cards forever. But but I do, but I do try to buy low. If I was ever buying a big, significant LeBron James card, man, this is a whole lot better time than it was several years ago, especially given what he has the potential to do. It's interesting. All right, I spent way too, too much time on the Lakers. Let's look at the Nuggets. Everybody, so, and and I didn't even mention Anthony Davis, okay? Let me let me go back to the Lakers real quick. I didn't even mention AD, other than that maybe he's, the, he's their best player at this point. I sold my best AD card, my only AD card, like two weeks ago, because I, or, or like a month ago, because I figured, what the heck, this guy's not going to win anything. I feel like an idiot right now because he's playing so well both offensively and defensively. But you never know with him. Some days, some games he just comes out and lays an egg. And so we'll see what happens. But, you know, he's he's been sort of touted as the guy who shouldn't have made the NBA's 75 team. 
He's had everybody rip him for the last couple of months. For the last couple of years, I should say. They talk about him being Mr. Glass and all this stuff. It would be pretty cool to see him go lead them to a championship, too. All right. Let's talk about the Nuggets. So the Nuggets are up 1-0 in that series. Um, didn't come easy, though. They started out way ahead, and the Lakers clawed their way back. And, and in the end, the Lakers had a chance to win it. But the the fact remains that you know Nikola Jokic is not just like a really good player. He's he should be a three time MVP. He should have won it again this year. Um, the Timberwolves did something really interesting against Jokic in the first round that they had some success with, where they at times they put Gobert on him, and when they put Gobert on him um, in a couple games, Jokic actually got pretty rattled. Um, in one of those games, the Timberwolves actually pulled it out, game four. Um, but in other places, they tried to put Towns on Jokic and then have Rudy sort of roaming. And that had some success too. But I feel like when push came to shove, they just needed to get Gobert on Jokic because then they didn't need to send a double team as fast. And Jokic is is really good as a scorer. I mean, he's awesome, but... Jokic is an A-level scorer. He's the best passing big man of all time, right? And so if you're a defense, if you're able to make him really work to score and take away a lot of those passing lanes by not having double teams come, that's what you need to do. And I, I, I know Davis is a great defender, but I don't think he has the ability to man him up like Rudy did. And I'm not saying Rudy held him to like some amazing, you know, I'm not saying he like shut him down. You can't shut down Nikola Jokic. He's the best offensive player in the world. Um, but I don't think that I don't know. I don't think the Lakers can do that. I I think the the Nuggets. I still think the Nuggets have a very chance to win this, this series. I think they're they're the likely winner. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it go the other way because there's injuries and because I mean look the series is just that close. Um, the 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 Lakers have. A lot of other things going for them defensively. The fact that LeBron can basically play anybody defensively in Rome in some places, even though he's like six foot nine and two hundred and sixty pounds, is and a, still a freak athletically is is pretty incredible. So, but when you think about Jokic, like he's gotten really hammered as this guy who, who's already won two MVPs. I think it's good for him that he didn't win the MVP this year because it takes the pressure off uh, to then go win the championship. Um, I obviously he wants to go win it. He needs to try to go win it, but. If he would have won the MVP and then not won again, it would have felt like he was a real fraud. And that's an unfortunate way that, that people look at these things. But, um, you know, you've also got the storylines with Murray and Porter Jr. And, and those things. But the real question for me is, if he goes and wins a championship as a two-time MVP, how do people think about his cards then? And he just doesn't have a lot of big cards, right? He's... As a guy who was drafted in the second round, he doesn't have an NTRPA. He has an iMac RPA. He has a Noir RPA. He's got all the Prism stuff that you could imagine. Um, and those are the biggest cards, especially, you know, it's fun to think about, like, his gold Prism, his big, big-time Prism cards. Um, you know, obviously hindsight, like, everybody wants to go back and, and own those things. I, I wish we could go back to 2015 and see what a... Prism Jokic gold would have run us, because um, <laughs> that's that's the card right now that I wish that I wish that I had. Um, just just an unbelievable card. But also the Noir and the Immaculate, um, and then the NT Autograph. 
He just doesn't have a lot of huge cards, but if he goes and he wins a championship, and then you look at what Denver has, you know, going going forward, their team is so young. They've got such a promising future. Um, it's really interesting to think about Jokic. Ah, man, I'm way over. Okay, let's fly through the East. Boston has been to the conference finals four times since Tatum and Brown have been there. Believe it or not, four times. This is their fourth. They've been to the finals, I think, once, maybe twice. Maybe twice. Um... And they haven't been able to get it done. But a lot of people will look at that like it's some massive failure. I can't believe that these two young guys, they're still relatively young, have had the success that they've had. But from a cardboard perspective, they, to take that next jump, especially Tatum into that real upper, that very top of the top group, for them to, for him to get there, they need to win it this year. Not just the conference finals. They need to win the championship. And with a new coach, I'm not sure they. I mean, I'm not sure they could do it anyways because the the competition's to, so so tough. But but I don't know that they're there for the that they're that they're ready for. I hope that they. In some ways, I hope that they are. Um, in a lot of ways, it's one of the best NBA storylines, right? These two young stars leading that team that's been, you know, really trying to break through now for for five or six years. But if Tatum can get them to a championship, you can then put him at the top of the league as far as young player interesting assets. You know That, that would make a lot of people really interested in own, owning his base prism rookie or his prism silver or his NTRPA. Um, it would have huge influence on, on Tatum's cards and then obviously Brown as well, depending on how, on how you know, those guys play. Outside of those two guys, though, everybody else is sort of on the periphery. Miami is interesting because they've got two guys that are Hall of Famers in Lowry and um, Butler on their, on their, you know, in their rotation. Um, but I don't know that everybody thinks about them right way that way. Kyle Lowry is maybe the best player from the 2006 draft, though. I shouldn't even say maybe. I think he is the best player from the 2006 draft. I'm sort of thinking about this off the top of my head, but it's like him, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap. Who am I missing? Like the, he's he's he already won a championship in Toronto. He's been on I don't even know how many All-Star teams and um, you know, third team, second team, all all NBAs. He's had a great career. You go get a championship with the um, you know, with the Heat. I think I think you you can put him in the Hall of Fame for sure, but I think he might already for sure be in the Hall of Fame. It's it's not a hard a high bar to cross in the NBA, um, but still his his key cards just it's like nobody even notices them. His exquisite rookie, can you picture it in your mind? Just thinking about it, is it iconic? Um, what about his Chrome rookie? Can you picture that? You probably can't, right? Most people can't. Um, and then you look you think about Jimmy Butler. The thing Butler's got going for him is that he was part of that iconic 2012 dual class. And so he has a 2012 NTRPA. He has a 2012 Immaculate. He has a 2012 Prism card. Um, I saw a gold Prism Jimmy Butler go up on an MC Sports Cards account, and I actually reached out right away. I was like, hey, how much, you know, what is your what is your consigner thinking on this one? What what What's the price that they're looking for? Because... That's the Jimmy Butler card that I would like to have, the gold prism rookie. Um, and I love Jimmy because he's got a few really big-time moments in NBA history, right? The bubble finals where he goes and he wins a game 
against LeBron and the Lakers was that was just a huge moment. Um, obviously, I, nobody liked how he le- how he left Minnesota and some of the negatives there, but um, his his time in Miami has been fantastic. And once you get to playoff time, Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the NBA. He hits huge shots. He's just a gamer, gritty. And so we haven't thought of him from a hobby perspective like he's a superstar, right? We thought about Tatum as a superstar from when he was very young. Nobody's thought about Butler that way. But I think if he was to win the championship with the Heat this year, there wouldn't be really any denying it, right? Like, and I think, to me, that's the most interesting storyline. I'd love to see Spo and Jimmy go you know, beat the Celtics and then go win the championship. I think they're probably the least likely, and I'm always a lover of underdogs. But um, you know, when you think about with each of these four teams and their big stars, I think each one of them has over a 20% chance and under a 30% chance to win the finals. And I think that's a rare thing where you have that much parity. Um, I really don't have any, any idea who's going to win it. And that's when it's really fun when it comes to like sort of investing in, in cards. Um, you'll see some weird things happen around the championship. You'll see things go down that, does, that doesn't seem like will make, make sense. Things will, go, things will go up that doesn't seem like it's going to make sense or that doesn't make sense, and it, it sort of is weird sometimes, but uh, the, the key to all of this, I think, is to always remember to keep the long term in mind. Don't spend a ton of money on something just because you think it's going to go up real fast. Um, at least as a collector, that's really my opinion. I don't, think, I don't think chasing the big paydays often works to your advantage. It hasn't for me. What's worked to, for me is keeping the long term in mind. And so... Um, Guys, this podcast went 15 minutes or 13 minutes past what I said it was going to. I'm sorry. I'm the worst at going short. But it's the first time I've talked to you guys in nine months on this format. Again, I'm going to be doing it every week. I will let you know more about the date and time. Um, but, but definitely subscribe. Uh, everything that you know, like, share, do all that stuff. Um, remember our sponsor, Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine. Go to bcfmag.com to subscribe today for your monthly mail day. 32 pages of original basketball card content. Um, if you have never gotten an issue and would like one digitally, DM us um, at Basketball Card Fanatic on Instagram and mention that you listen to this podcast, and I will send you a free digital issue. Um, but we're still continuing to grow. We're in tons of card shops and tons of homes around uh, the world and uh, want to thank everybody for all their support on Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine. Thank you again for listening to Basketball Card Podcast today. Until next time, happy collecting.